You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Clint Wright. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday's service now. So this morning, do with me on 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to pick up. What I want to do, I want to read the passage this morning. We're going to cover 11 verses. Then I want to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will walk through them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, do, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to no one is given through the Spirit the utterances of wisdom, and to another the utterances of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues, to another to interpret the tongues. And these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who appropriations to each one individually as he wills. Let us pray. Father, this morning we come before you and before we gather around our TVs and probably eat too much and cheer on others and Lord, would you help us to sit with you for just a moment? Lord, you tell us that we should not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from your mouth. You tell us that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. And so I pray that you would be with us this morning that each and every one of us would encounter you and we would receive exactly what we need from your word this morning. Lord, I ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of your spirit, amen. So this morning I come before you and I have this condition. Maybe you have it too, but I have this condition where I can take a good thing and I can make it a really bad thing. I do. It happens, and I can take something good, and it turns into something bad. Like this. Have you ever planned a date with your wife, and you get dressed, and you get in the car, and you're driving together, and so that's a good thing. It's good to go out with your wife. It's, it's good to spend some time driving in the car talking. Then you turn and say, what would you like to eat? You know, being polite, it's a good thing. And then it starts, well, I don't know. Well, what about this? No, I don't know, not, not that. Well, what about this? No, I, I just had that the other day. And then all of a sudden, this thing happens in me where all of a sudden my tone changes, I get louder, I seem to get frustrated, and then before you know it, we're headed back home to eat something that we find in the house without speaking. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but it has happened to me, and I will take the blame. Taking a good thing and making it a bad thing. Well, the Corinthian church was great at this. 
They were great at taking a good thing, a great thing, and making it a bad thing. I mean, they have this condition. We saw it just last week with the Lord's Supper. A good thing, a great thing of gathering as a church and breaking bread together. But they, in that, turned it to a bad thing. In fact, Paul says, it is not for the better, but for the worse. I mean, they were allowing their financial status, they were allowing their money to come into this beautiful thing, the Lord's Supper, and create divisions. Because those that had money felt they should be more honored, cutting in front of other people, or eating their fill, and not leaving any for others. Taking a good thing and making it a bad thing. Well, you would think that this doesn't happen anymore in churches, or you'd think at least, well, the churches have gotten better. Well, let me tell you a true story that happened a few years ago in Dallas, Texas. There's a church, something happens, and the church divides. They get divided among themselves. Created two groups, and neither one would leave. So there comes a Sunday morning, and I'll call them whatever, the, the left sit over here, and the right people sit over here, and they begin having simultaneous worship services. Each had appointed a worship leader who stands up and leads their half of the congregation in a song. As the other half, he stands up and leads them in a different song. And now they're trying to outsing one another. And then it gets even worse. Each had appointed there was somebody who was going to preach for each side. They get up and they both start preaching at the same time. Now trying to shout over one another. It gets so bad, the cops get called. So then it goes to court, because neither side will leave. Well, the court wants to have nothing to do with it, so they sent them to their denomination. And they decided, and they came up with a plan, and one was awarded the the property, the church. The other moved uh, several blocks away and began uh, worshiping there. Well, someone, and it probably would have been me, had to know what in the world happened. So... An investigator, a journalist, began investigating. And he traced it back. And you know, there was problem after problem after problem. But he went back to the moment that everything changed. And it was a church potluck. And there was an elder that sat down at a table. And he looked across the table. And there was a child that had a bigger piece of ham than he did. I'm not making this up. Taking something, a good thing, and all of a sudden, because he felt dishonored, it created and it grew into a church split. But you know what? This is an issue that every church faces, that we can take good things and we can allow them to become things that spark a problem. And if not dealt with, it grows and it grows and grows. Well, Paul last week had to deal with that with the Lord's Supper And now we're going to see this church once again take a good thing and turn it into a bad thing. So back to verse 1. Let's walk through this together. And it begins in verse 1 by saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be informed. So the first division was the Lord's Supper. It was a, a financial thing that happened where people felt they should be honored and people were treating others differently in the Lord's Supper based on money. Well, this division is based on spirituality. What's happening, they were placing value or worth or importance based on the gifts that people were saying that they had. That they were placing more honor or importance based on performance or competence or charisma. Because he says, now concerning spiritual 
gifts. And that's what your translation says. If you have most of them, that's what mine says. But here's an issue is there's no word for gifts in the Greek. So what is Paul referring to? Well, he's referring to things of the Spirit, or you could say those that are spiritual. And that's what I think Paul's referring to here. It's the later of this. That Paul is writing to believers, to people. He's saying, yes, for those of you that are spiritual, you are in Christ. I'm writing you about something. I want you to understand. He wants these people that have believed, trusted in Jesus Christ to not be uninformed about something. So he says, those of you that are spiritual, let's see what he wants them to know. He doesn't want them to be uninformed. For you know in verse 2 that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led, he says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So it sounds like a harsh word. He calls them pagans. But what he's doing is referring to them before they trusted in Christ. And they were led astray, it tells us, and they worshiped mute idols. Well, how were they led astray? Well, he says, you know, there's a lot of reasons, however you were led. But people were claiming to be speaking for God when they weren't. And what Paul shows, he shows us two ways to kind of test these people. Notice the first one he says to anyone uh, ever says, Jesus is accursed. Meaning that they are not speaking for God if they curse Jesus. Now, if you're a false prophet... And you're cursing Jesus, you're not really good at it. Because sooner or later, people are going to catch on. But here's what Paul's referring to. He's referring to anyone that would deny something that is true about Jesus that he himself claimed. It's cursing Jesus. For instance, if, if uh, somebody denied that, that Jesus was God and they didn't believe that, well, you're cursing Jesus because that's what he claimed about himself. Well, in this situation, these people here in the Corinth, their issue was this. There were people that were denying false teachers that were denying his humanity. They believed that he was God in his deity, but they were denying that he was actually a man. And Paul says those people are cursing Jesus. The other way you notice that he says, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Okay, many false teachers even today, they can actually with their words say Jesus is Lord. So he's not talking about a, a simply a, a, a verbing this out. Paul is talking about not just the ability to say the words, but he's saying does their life reflect that Jesus is their Lord? Not just uttering the words, but as you observe them, as you watch them, do you see Jesus as the Lord of their lives and the things that they say and the things that they do? So they're led astray by people who were speaking for God, but they weren't. Well, then Paul does something. He's going to pick back up where he was in verse 1. He wants to help those that are spiritual, those that are in Christ, and notice what he wants to help them understand. In verse 4, now it says, There are a variety of gifts. Now, if you're tracking with me, you have to be thinking, wait, well, didn't you just say that gifts, there's not a word in the Greek for that word? And yes, that's correct. The word there, the phrase is charisma. 
So it simply means, charista means graces. So here's what Paul is saying. He says, those who have trusted in Christ, those that are spiritual, you have been given varieties of grace or graces. So then what are graces? You know them as things you can't deserve. You can't earn them. You can't produce these things on your own. And so that's where we get our phrase, spiritual gifts. It's these varieties of things that the Spirit gives to those that are in Christ. So I would say it this way, simply spiritual gifts or graces that the Spirit gives to believers. Now, Paul had previously taught about this in his letter, but what was happening, he needs to address it again because they were going about their lives and what they were doing with these graces, these gifts, they were claiming certain ones for themselves. They were uh, trying to promote their gifts over other people. They were treating each other differently based on who had supposedly the better gifts. They were taking a great thing and they were allowing it to create disunity. So Paul, being the pastor he is, he wants to correct this. So when you're studying your Bible, when you're reading, here's a great tool to use. Anytime you're studying by yourself or in a group, look for words that are repeated. So in your Bible, you don't see, like we have today, highlighting and underlining and things like that. But look for things that repeat. So as I go back through the beginning of verse 4 to a few over, notice how many times Paul's going to use the word varieties and same. So beginning in verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So first of all, notice the three varieties. He uses the word gifts, or we now know as graces, the things the Spirit gives. He says service and activities. Paul's describing all the things that we do to work out God's work here on earth. It's all those things. It's the graces, it's the gifts, it's the service, it's the activities, all of those. And notice there's varieties. Now notice how many times he uses the word same. Tells us the same spirit. It's the same Lord or Jesus. It's the same God or Father. It's just seeping with Trinitarian language. The same God who empowers all of them. Paul is trying to get them to see this picture of incredible unity in the midst of a variety of things. Different service, different graces, different activities. But it's all the same Lord. It's all done by him. That the unity of God should be seen in these Corinthian believers. Who have believed and followed him. That the world should see that unity among them. But sadly they're not. So I think this. Paul is trying to show this. That there is great unity even with diversity. Unity with diversity. I think this is the entire heart of what Paul is trying to get here. There should be unity. There should be collectiveness. There should be a sameness of mind and purpose within the church as it reflects who God is. But sadly, the Corinthian church was getting it wrong. So Paul then shows them how they can do this. Because look at verse 7. 
So he wants them to see, hey, listen, church, yes, there's all kinds of variety in service and in gifts and in activities, but it all revolves around the same source and same power. Because to you, each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So here's what manifestation, this is what it means. It means making something evident or making it obvious. And he's telling them, Corinthian believers, that every one of you have been given ways to proclaim and announce who God is. Every one of you have been given that ability to make God known. And that is still true even today. That every believer, it doesn't matter how old or how young or how long they've been a believer, every believer has been given the ability to make God known. Well, how is that? Lots of ways. But we've all been given that manifestation by God. And so what Paul is doing is showing every believer is given a gift, a grace. Some are given multiple ones. But notice the purpose of all of them. At the end of verse 7, he says, It's always, all of them, for the common good. Meaning the believer, or the, the, the Spirit has given believers a gift, at least one, but for the common good. Meaning you have graces or you have gifts that I need in my life. To fulfill God's purpose for me. There are people sitting around you this morning. That you have gifts. You have graces. That they need in, your li- in their lives. And you and I. We have needs of other people. It works both ways. In fact when this is happening. Scripture tells us it blesses the church. It builds up the body of Christ. And it edifies each and every believer. When that happens. In fact, I love how Adrian Rogers once said it. He said, spiritual gifts are not given for your enjoyment, but for God's employment. They're given for other people. It's a grace given to me, but it's not for me. It's for other people. So then in the next three verses, he's going to list some of those. Beginning in verse 8. For each one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith in the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So I believe Paul wants them to see a few things. The first is this. This isn't an exhaustive list. It's extensive, but it's not exhaustive. He's not trying to cover all of these gifts. In fact, that's not even the point of the passage. In fact, you could go to Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, and you can see. But Paul does something. He lists nine of them. So I'm going to give you, I'll walk through them, and I'm going to give you a quick definition of what I believe these are referring to. Wisdom. Insight into God's Word and doctrinal truth. Now, I believe everybody can study God's Word. I believe everyone can do that. Everyone has that ability. But the Spirit has given some this uniqueness in being able to see into God's Word. Knowledge, the ability to apply God's Word. Once again, every believer has that ability. But some, the Spirit has given like this extra measure of knowledge. Faith, an unusual measure of trust in God. 
Everybody that's trusted in Christ has faith, but it seems there are some that have this extra measure of being able to trust God in extremely difficult situations. And can't you see how that gift can really be useful to someone else? He says healing, the ability to restore health. I believe whether it's emotional or spiritual or physical. Miraculous powers. We see several times of this in the early church. Acts 19, the exercising of demons. Physical disabilities in Acts 13. Even death in Acts 5. Prophecy. It's the ability like in the Old Testament where prophets declare message of God to his people. Some have this special ability to distinguish between spirits. The ability to distinguish between the true word of God from a false prophet or teacher. And they go, absolutely. There's some that have been given that and that gift is needed in other people's lives. The ability of tongues. I believe the ability to speak an unlearned living language like you see in Acts 2. Interpretation, the ability to translate an unlearned known language. Then we see that in 1 Corinthians 14. And I know some people that seem to have, because Paul's left some of these out. You know, I know some people have the spiritual gift of sarcasm, but I don't see that there. <laughs> some have the spiritual gift of criticism. Paul is not talking about here, but his point is this it's not an exhaustive list, it is extensive. But the second, I think even more important, is look at verse 11. Paul's point is this. All of these, yes, I've listed a few for you, all of them, they're all are empowered by one in the same spirit. That's Paul's point. He's trying to drive home the importance of unity, but they're even using gifts to create divisions who are appropriations to each one individually as he wills. Because notice what Paul's point is. Paul's focus, it isn't necessarily on the spiritual gifts. He doesn't even really go and elaborate on those. He wants them to simply focus on the truth that there is a variety of graces. There is a variety of gifts. But they are all empowered by the same spirit. But they are not living that way. So when I tie that all the way back to where Paul began in verse 1, I believe his point, he's trying to drive home the importance of unity with diversity. The real issue for Paul was this lack of unity that he was seeing and hearing about in the church. First with the Lord's Supper, and you go, shame on them. But now with spiritual gifts. In fact, he wants them to see there's great beauty and there's great effectiveness when there is diversity with unity. In fact, we see this, I think, all around us at times. I got to thinking this week... Uh, even about Bethel, that, oh, I think 14 years ago, we set out on this crazy idea of multi-site churches that were one church that's now spread out around the community. Man, the important things, we're united on those. But if you go to camp, each campus, they're all even a little different. But there's great unity even with diversity. We just finished up basketball. Woo, praise the Lord. Finished yesterday. But it's been so fun watching my 14 and my 15-year-old begin at the season. Variety of gifts. But all of a sudden, as towards the season goes on and on, all of a sudden you can actually see them starting to play as a team. And it's exciting to see. Or if you love music. I mean, I'm so glad when I can run into Jason 
listening to him drum. But could you imagine if that's all we heard? If you take an orchestra where, yeah, percussion's great, but then you had the woods and the horns and the strings. And all of a sudden, there's this beautiful sound that can't be created by just one. So in the same way, Paul is saying these varieties and variations of graces or gifts are meant to function together in harmony for the common good. That unity with diversity. But I want to close with this thought. Maybe you're sitting there this morning, you're thinking, I don't know, Mark, am I really gifted? The answer to you is if you are in Christ, absolutely. The gospel tells us that when we put our faith and trust in him, the scriptures just tell us that, yes, you are given a portion, a variety of grace, of a gift that is meant for the common good. You might be thinking, do I have anything to contribute Absolutely. No matter how young or how old or whatever you think you might have, there is something for you to contribute for the common good. And so I would say this to all of us. We do not need to doubt or to be in doubt about our giftedness. Because the truth about gifts, they're not worked up. They're to be lived into. They're not something you earn, but it is something that you are when you are in Christ. Everyone that has experienced forgiveness. That comes by faith alone. Through grace alone. Everyone is receiving a variety of the gifts. That are to be used together. In fact our goal as individual Christians. And as the church should be to live those out. Yeah if you want to discover what it is. There's all kinds of ways. But I believe this is Paul's main point. Of this passage. Every time I read. Every time I'm studying. I try to bullet down to something I can remember. And this is it. Mark carry out God's work. In God's way. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. As Christ our Lord. Together. That we are all to carry out God's work. In his way. Empowered through the Holy Spirit. Living as Christ is our Lord. But we cannot do that alone. It is together. This happens when there is unity with diversity. But here's another question you might be asking. Okay, well, what are my gifts? Well, I'd like to tell you all you got to do is go to the internet and type this in. But don't do that. Don't go out and take something that will make you supposedly this. Don't do that. Here's what I think is better. I want to propose a different way to think about spiritual gifts or spiritual graces. We often want to start at the beginning and say, okay, if this is all the ones, this is all the ones I found, let me see which one is mine. And you start from the beginning. But don't do that. Try a different way. I want you to start at the results of spiritual gifts. If you know what your spiritual gift is, I pray you're using it. Or maybe you have a variety of them. I pray you're using them for the common good and for God's glory. But whether you know or not, I want to challenge us to look at it this way. Instead of asking, what is my gift? Instead, begin to ask, what is my gift thinking about the results? What are the results of the gifts? Will you turn to Galatians chapter 5. This is what it tells us. But the fruit of the Spirit... 
The results of the Spirit. If you grew up in vacation Bible school, you probably have them memorized. What are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So instead of trying to go, okay, God, what is my gift? Begin asking, asking yourself this. And this situation with this person or here or there, what would promote and how could I live out love? How could I live out joy in this situation? What could I do to, to gain peace? What could I do to practice patience? What could I do to promote kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control? Look for a way to show love. Look for a way to promote peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And when we begin doing those things, I believe you'll discover your gift. But focus on the results. Instead of wondering and trying to figure out which one is, okay, I'm going to go do that one with all I have. Think of the results. Find ways to promote all of those. Man, how can I best love in this situation? What can I do to show kindness with this person? What do I need to do to promote peace? And is there something I can do to be self-controlled and to show faithfulness? Focus on the results, and I believe amazing things will happen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.